I hope that you will take a Bible and turn with me to the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms, and you'll find that if you crack a Bible open to roughly the very middle, you will arrive in the book of Psalms, and our focus today will be on Psalm 21, Psalm 21, looking at verses 1 to 13. Before we get there, let's just remind ourselves that we're in the middle of crunch time. Crunch time of the busiest time of the year, Christmas. So are you on top of things or are you behind on things? With meal planning, party planning, present, picking out and wrapping, where do you stand? Well, it's the Sunday before Christmas, so just remember that. But my purpose today is not to stress you out. On the contrary, my purpose today is to remind you whether you are on top of things or behind on things that it's not about the things. And as many times as you've heard that, at Christmas time, over the course of your life, we all need to be reminded, do we not? It's not about the things. And Psalm 21 shows us what it's really about. More specifically, who it's really about. And it's about the king. And Psalm 21 forms a pair with Psalm 20 that we looked at last week. Psalm 20 is a prayer for the victory of the king. And we are assured that the king's victory is certain. You can bank on it. You can count on it. This king will triumph because he's God's king. Psalm 21 follows Psalm 20 to show that the prayer of Psalm 20 has been heard and answered. God has, in fact, granted victory to his king. And Psalm 21 is a celebration, a psalm of celebration around this king's victory. So let's read together, together beginning at verse 1. A psalm of David. The king rejoices in your strength, Lord. How great is his joy in the victories you give. You have granted him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. You came to greet him with rich blessings and placed a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked you for life and you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. Through the victories you gave, his glory is great. You have bestowed on him splendor and majesty. Surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord. Through the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. Your hand will lay hold on all your enemies. Your right hand will seize your foes. 
When you appear for battle, you will burn them up as in a blazing furnace. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and his fire will consume them. You will destroy their descendants from the earth, their posterity from mankind. Though they plot evil against you and devise wicked schemes, they cannot succeed. You will make them turn their backs when you aim at them with drawn bow. Be exalted in your strength, Lord. We will sing and praise your might. So who is it about? It is about the king. In the immediate context of this psalm, King David. But so much of this reaches beyond King David because we can see how so much of this cannot be fulfilled by David. David died and was buried. So life, length of days, forever and ever clearly doesn't apply to him. So we can see how this psalm is pointing forward to the greatest of kings, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the one we know as King Jesus. And at the heart of this psalm is verse 7. For the king trusts in the Lord. Through the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. This is an unshakable king who reigns upon an unshakable kingdom. And those who celebrate him can enjoy an unshakable celebration, strengthened and sustained by an unshakable love, the same love we see in this king. He is unshakable. He cannot be moved. And those who love him, those who trust him, those who obey him, can enjoy an unshakable joy, an unshakable kingdom. Do you know this king? My goal today is to show you that unless you know this king, love this king, and celebrate this king, then you have not celebrated Christmas. No matter how many traditions you fulfill, no matter what you eat or don't eat, no matter who you gather with or you don't gather with, no matter how generous or loving or kind you are, no matter whether or not you get the perfect gift, no matter whether or not you pick out the perfect gift, all those things can go exactly as you want them to go. They can go exactly according to your plans, and you can still not celebrate Christmas. Do you realize that? And it's because Christmas isn't about celebrating something. However good, however noble, however sweet and memorable, it's about celebrating someone and that someone is King Jesus. It's about him. Apart from him, there is no Christmas, and we have nothing to celebrate in this fallen world. But in him and because of him, we have everything to celebrate if we know him 
and our celebration can be unshakable. How so? Let's look at the king's joy in verses 1 to 6. The king's joy. The king rejoices in your strength, Lord. How great is his joy in the victories you give. We may not realize it at first, but this is utterly astounding. Typically, with a king, as with any modern-day politician, they want to talk about their accomplishments, do they not? That's how you get votes. I don't blame them. But that's what they want to talk about. Here's what I have done for you, or here's what I will do for you. Elect me. You want to see that change? You want to see this get better? Elect me. But this king is completely different. He is rejoicing not in what he's done, not in his abilities, but in what God has done. The king rejoices in God's strength. His joy is magnified by the victories God gives to him. Not that he earned, not that he achieved on his own, but because of what God has given. And as you walk through verses 1 to 6, you see it's all about you, God, and what you have done. It's celebrating not the king as a person, but what God has done in and through the king. You have granted him his heart's desire. In direct fulfillment of what we read in Psalm 20, verse 4. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. He's answered that. He's put a crown of pure gold on his head. He's given him life, eternal life, life forever. He's given him victories that cannot be taken away. Unending blessings, joy in his presence. All of that is the king's joy. Now, what is your joy today? Well, I don't have a crystal ball, but I'm going to make a prediction. And that prediction is that something this Christmas is not going to go according to plan. Just a wild guess. Something that you desire in your heart is not going to be fulfilled. Something is going to let you down. Something is going to disappoint you. No matter how great your Christmas is. And I can illustrate this by telling you about one of the most distressing Christmases of my childhood. Some of you have heard this. Bear with me. When I was a child, and I was finally old enough to help decorate the Christmas tree, I took so much pride in that tree. I loved to look at it. I loved to be the one to plug in the lights. And I was all aglow on Christmas Day as the families gathered around the tree and were opening our presents. And as my sister went to the tree to pull out a, a large box containing an old-fashioned desktop computer, Lo and behold, the whole tree came down. And you can imagine the sound of, of crashing, crinkly 
ornaments and, and balls. It was a terrible, terrible sound. And it broke my heart as a child. And I started crying. The Christmas tree has fallen down. How can we celebrate Christmas now that the tree is gone? Well, I'll never forget what my grandmother said. She stood up very calmly, and she said, well, it served its purpose. It was never about the tree. It's just an ornament. Beautiful, yes. And for our enjoyment, yes. Beautiful, yes. But it's an ornament. That's not what it's about. And at some point, even if the tree had not fallen down, we would have had to carry that tree out. And maybe it's not as bad as having it just go up in flames like in Christmas vacation. It's still a destroyed tree. And you know you have to carry it out, leaving behind a trail of pine needles. And if you have a fake tree, eventually it has to go up in the attic or the garage or wherever you keep it. We don't keep it out. It's just an ornament. And while in the grand scheme of things, that tree falling down is really not that much of a crisis. We know that we can face far more dire crises, far more dire dilemmas in life, truly earth-shattering, life-shaking, joy-robbing turmoil, especially this time of year. And whether that distressing thing is something severe or fairly superficial, something is going to shake your joy. And this is where we need to be reminded, where is your joy found? If it doesn't go according to plan, if you completely fail at picking out a gift for someone, if you don't get what you want, if there's drama and conflict in the family, is Christmas a waste? A failure? Not if it's about the King. Not if we find our joy where He finds His joy in God. The one who pours out all these good gifts on Him. Because we're not entitled to any of these things, but there is someone who is, and his name is Jesus. And we can walk through and we can see how everything written in these verses is fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus' heart is to obey his Father, to be completely sold out for God his Father, to gather all of those given to him by his Father, to find all of His lost sheep. That is the desire of His heart, and it is fulfilled. God has not withheld the request of His lips. Only Jesus is crowned with a crown of pure gold, having been, of course, crowned with a crown of thorns first. Undergoing the suffering and the death that we all deserve for our sinfulness against a holy and righteous God. But he has a crown that can never be taken away. You can't take his crown off. You cannot put him back in the grave. He is alive. He is reigning. And he is Lord. And he is judge. 
The throne of David is not empty. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is sitting upon it. He asked you for life and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. He has life. Abundant life. Eternal life. Life that he can give to you and to me. And it is his joy to give life to his people. And his victories over death and evil. And everything that would threaten your joy. That threatens your life. That threatens your eternity. He is victorious over it. But you know the greatest of his joys? Look at verse 6. Surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your, what? Presence. Presence. You want joy? Find it in God himself. Not just in what you can get from God. Find it in joy in God himself. This is what we read of in Psalm 43, verse 4. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and delight. My joy and my delight. Is God your joy and your delight today and this Christmas? Or do you you just kind of believe in him? Kind of want to believe in him? Want to be a good person? Want to serve him? No, is, is he your joy? Is he the delight of your heart? Because this is what it's all about. The whole Bible is pointing to this. You go to God's covenant with Abraham, Genesis 17, and it's all about God himself. I will be your God and you will be my people. You go to Exodus 25 and Moses. It's about God himself, I will be your God and you will be my people. You go to God's covenant with David, 2 Samuel 7. I will be your God and you will be my son. It's all about him. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Christmas is about celebrating him. Not what you can get from him. However good, it's not about talking about him. It's not paying lip service to him. It's about celebrating him, enjoying him from your heart. You truly love him. And this is why he came. Jesus says this in John 17, verse 13. Praying to the Father, he says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they, that is his people, may have the full measure of my joy within them. Do you see this? The king's joy, joy in God himself, can be in you and in me. Jesus can give you his joy, the joy that enabled him to endure the cross, to suffer for sinners. The joy set before him, that joy can be in you. And whether your Christmas tree falls down or it goes up in flames or you don't have a Christmas tree at all, nothing and no one can steal that joy from you. Do you have it? Do you have it? Well, to understand the king's joy, we need to understand the king's trust. Look at verse 7. The king's trust. For the king trusts in 
the Lord, through the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. He trusts in the Lord, and the Lord sustains him by the power of his unfailing love, his steadfast love, his mercy, his covenant love, not his general benevolence or beneficence for the world, but his special, never-ending, boundless love for his people, marked out by his grace. That's the love, that's the strength of the love we see in Christ. But I'm afraid our notions of love are far too squishy and mushy. We think of love as sappy and weak, as sentimental, shallow, superficial. That's not the love we see here. This is the love that sent God's one and only Son into the world, not for good people, for God's enemies, for sinners like you and like me. The power of his love. This is the love that sent him not only into the world to be incarnate, to be one of us, but to die for us. To be our substitute. To shed his blood. To be crushed under the weight of the wrath of God's good and pure judgment on sinfulness. Your sins and mine. That's the strength of this love that sustains him. That's why he will not be shaken. He cannot be shaken. That is why all those who trust in him, those who celebrate him, who make Christmas about him, also can be unshakable. Now, you say, I mean, I don't feel very unshakable. I mean, I, I trust him. I, I love him, but I don't feel very unshakable. Well, let's be clear. This does not mean that the wind won't blow, that the waves won't crash. It doesn't mean that you will not endure hardship and adversity. It doesn't mean you won't know grief and pain. But it means that when the wind blows and the waves crash, that your life will stand fast because your life is built on the rock of King Jesus. Your anchor will hold in that storm. It may be tossed about. It may drift some. But it will hold. It will hold. Do you know that unshakable power in your life and in your heart today? It comes from trusting in God's King as the King trusts in the Lord, as King Jesus trusts. So that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your efforts to try to be a good person. Your feeble, feeble attempts to try to be generous and kind and imbibe the spirit of the season. Because none of that will measure up. You can't be good enough. You can be good, sure. But you can't be good enough to earn God's favor. What you need and what I need when God looks at us, is to have the righteousness, the goodness, the holiness of Christ imputed to us, given to us, so that when God looks at you and looks at me, he doesn't see the filthy rags of 
my efforts to be righteous. He sees the righteousness of Christ, his trust, his life, his death in place of me. And that is unshakable. We can rest, we can receive that gift, and it will hold. And then when we come to verses 8 to 12, this may feel jarring, but we're looking at the king's judgment. The king's judgment. And so many of us think, I don't really want to hear about that at Christmas. I mean, this is so gloomy and dreadful. I I mean, this is a season of light and joy, right? Well, the fact that this, this is so jarring to us shows just how far we've drifted from the true meaning of Christmas. That we don't want to talk about the judgment of the king. His joy, his trust, his love, oh yes, but his judgment. Because in order for him to be victorious, in order for God to be holy and just against sin, there must be judgment. And it is good and right for God to judge sin. And while we're okay with that theoretically, what makes us far more squeamish and uncomfortable is when we find ourselves in the place of these enemies. To know that this is what we deserve from King Jesus. We deserve for him to lay hold of us. We deserve to be burned up in a blazing furnace, to be swallowed up in the wrath of God. We deserve hell, God's eternal judgment on our sinfulness. And you say, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. Come on. Whoa, whoa. Where's all that coming from? This is Christmas. Here's the problem. It's not just the things that we've done. It's not just the things that we've failed to do. It's that our hearts are desperately sick and corrupted by sinfulness. It's because our first impulse is to look out for number one. To celebrate our victories and our achievements. To look out for our loved ones and our family. To do what is most convenient or comfortable for ourselves. That's you, that's me. And as a result, we are God's enemies apart from Christ. We are children of wrath. Yes, created in the image of God, but children of wrath. And we are in desperate, dangerous territory as long as we remain there. Everything you see of the king's judgment here is what I deserve. And everything you see here of the king's judgment is what you deserve. And we are not ready to celebrate Christmas. We're not ready to celebrate the someone it's all about until we can admit this wholeheartedly, without reservation. I deserve God's judgment, not his love. This is what makes his grace so amazing that it is freely available to prideful, arrogant wretches like you and me 
This is what we deserved. And someone says, well, this can't be Jesus. I mean, this is baby Jesus, meek and mild, right? Listen to what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who do not know God. This is the problem. It's not just what we do. It's who we are. We are wrong. And we are wrong because our hearts are in opposition to God. They're plotting against the king, which is to plot against God. They're his enemies. Hear me clearly. It's not enough to believe in God. Polls will show you most people in this country still believe in God. Well, I'm thankful for that. We need to remember that Satan also believes in God and trembles. The demons believe in God and tremble. That's not really the question. Do you believe in God? The question is, do you know him? Are you trusting in him? Are you obeying him? Do you love him? Is there any delight and enjoyment of him in you? Could anyone testify that that person loves God? They don't just believe in God with their head. Their heart loves him. And if you love him, hear these encouraging, vital words from Jesus in John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, as the Father has loved me, think Psalm 21, verses 1 to 6. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Are you abiding in the love of Christ? Are you remaining in the love of Christ? If you are, it will be evidenced in your life. Are you obeying his commands or not? Are you loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength or not? Are you striving to love your neighbor as yourself or not? This is the test. And for those who pass the test, we have the praise of verse 13. This is when we come in. All this is about the king prior to this point. But in verse 13, the we comes in. This is our part in the play. Verse 13, the people's praise Be exalted in your strength, Lord. We will sing and praise your might. Be exalted in your strength, Lord. We will sing and praise your might. Notice that now the people are doing exactly what the king is doing in verse 1. Now they are praising God for his strength and for his might. Now they are echoing the king. Is that you today? Is that you and your household this Christmas? Is there praise for the king and who he is 
and all that He's done. Or not. You can get everything you want for Christmas. You can carry out every tradition your family has carried on for years and years. You can have perfect peace and harmony in your family. No political discussion whatsoever. Everyone gets along. Everyone's on the same page. I know that's delusional, but that can happen, okay? Even if that did happen. You haven't celebrated Christmas until you've celebrated Christ. It's not about the things. It's about Him. It's not about what you do. It's about Him. And I'm authorized by the Lord Jesus today to say to you, whoever you are, whoever you aren't, whatever you have done, whatever you have failed to do, you can celebrate this Christ. You can have His joy in your heart. You can have His love shed abroad in your life. It comes down to whether or not you'll praise Him. Will you join in the course? Will you say, yes, I don't need something. I need someone. I need Him. And He's given me everything I could possibly need and more by dying in my place by being raised for me so that I can have eternal life in him. When you celebrate that, you have celebrated Christmas. May we celebrate this Christmas as we go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, I pray for any troubled conscience within earshot of this message. I pray for any soul, for any heart, for any life, any person who knows their sinfulness has separated them from you. Who knows their heart is desperately sick and confused. Who knows they're, they're chasing after joy and love and acceptance in all the wrong places and in all the wrong ways. Lord, by the power of your Spirit and your free grace in Christ, Lord, bring them home. May they hear your voice, not my voice, may they hear your voice as they never have before. And Lord, I pray that you would bring about a miraculous new birth in them. That they would be born again to eternal life. That you would give them a new nature, a new heart that is no longer governed by the flesh or this world that is governed by your Spirit and that longs to love you more, who longs to walk more faithfully with Christ. And for every troubled conscience here who knows these truths but has forgotten, whose affection and love for you has grown cold, Lord, Rekindle it now by the power of your Spirit. May your word set a fire within them, a blazing fire. May that flame not be snuffed out. May it grow and may it enlighten 
others, within our households, with our coworkers, with our friends, wherever we go, Lord, may we reflect the light of your life and the light of your love this Christmas. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.